Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from the very end of our epistle reading where St. Paul says, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. This is our text. Nineteen seventy-five was a good year for me. I started the year as a single man, and about halfway through, I had a status update to married. Now, if uh, if you think that my wife Karen looks far too young to have been married for forty years, I totally agree with you. But I also assure you that it's true. And while I know better than ever to reveal a woman's age, I'm not so bashful about my own. So, girls and boys, I've uh, got a math challenge for you. This summer, when we hit our 40th wedding anniversary, I will have been married for two-thirds of my life. So how old does that make me on the day that I was married? And then for extra credit, how old does it make me now? So it was, did you figure it out? You can take a little time. It was on June 7th, 1975, when I gave up being my own man. Never regretted it. I'd do it all over again. But I do have to tell you, I'm kind of independent-minded. I didn't say stubborn. So there have been some challenges along the way. And while I don't think I ever said it this way, I know that sometimes my words and and my actions were along the lines of, you're not the boss of me. Well, St. Paul was writing in our text to a congregation that seemed to have that as its motto in its relationship with God. You're not the boss of me. And Paul knew that was exactly the wrong attitude. And so he writes, you are not your own. Translation, you're not the boss of you. And here's why we're talking about this on Life Sunday. Our culture has changed at lightning speed when it comes to those areas where the church used to have the final word. Not that everybody always abided by what the church taught, but at least they didn't challenge it either. And so it was commonly accepted that that people should go to church on Sunday. That they shouldn't use foul language, especially not in public. That sexual intercourse was properly reserved for marriage. The word abortion was never used in polite company. And assisted suicide wasn't anything that civilized people would even consider, let alone promote or or vote on in a statewide election. Well, I think it's pretty obvious how all of that has changed. What might not be quite so apparent is this. As our influence 
on culture has decreased, culture's influence on us has increased. We're not immune to that. But what I want to talk about today is how we can intentionally seek to limit that influence on us and actually maybe even begin to reverse the process so that we can be a positive impact on our society. And here's the key. It all depends on each one of us as individuals. Because while the church as an institution no longer has much influence at all, individual Christians have a great deal of influence on the individual members of society. And we have to think about what that means. And to be honest about it with ourselves. Which starts with admitting that we don't totally buy into the you're not your own thing. We still want to have some control. We still want to be the boss of us. Or we're happy to know God's love in our lives, certainly, and even, even to share that with others sometimes. To give him an hour a week, or well, maybe every other week, or whenever the mood strikes. And beyond that, to give him part of our lives during the week. Part of our lives. Do you see the problem? That's why we still need to hear St. Paul's words, you are not your own. That statement is the heart of the Christian message. And it's at the heart of, of the total and complete separation of Christianity from our sinful world. And that's what makes it so difficult. You are not your own Paul says. To which I would add, deal with it. And I say that not just to try to be clever or, or to make this memorable. It'd be good if that could happen. But I say that especially because it's doable. We can deal with it. Your sermon outline gives two steps to that. It's on page three of your service folder. The first step is to accept it, A-C-C-E-P-T. Accept it. And when I said I do almost 40 years ago, I was pretty naive in a lot of ways about what that would mean for me. It took a while to figure it out, to, to accept some of the, the things that had to change. And of course, I haven't really figured it out at all, but fortunately, I'm married to a very patient woman. Well, fortunately, also, we have an even more patient God. He continues to wait for us to completely accept the truth of those words, you are not your own. You know, and if you think about it for, for more than two seconds, we can see the truthfulness of that, can't we? Something other than you owns you, controls you, occupies your thoughts, influences your actions. We listed some of them in the, in the sermon outline. Examples of the something or someone who owns you could be your passions. Whether that be food or drink or success or power or sports or sex. It could be 
your possessions. I remember hearing a long time ago, this stuck with me. The more things you own, the more things own you, and how true that is. Your pride could own you. It could get in the way of, of saying, I'm sorry, when that so desperately needs to be said, or, or asking for help when you so desperately need that. Your peers can also control you. How many times haven't, in order to impress somebody, we've done something that's just stupid and that even leaves behind our Christian values? You are not your own. You can't be. It's not possible for any human being. Our scripture lessons today help us to think through that a little bit. Today's Old Testament reading is, uh, at least I think it's kind of amusing, isn't it? God's call to Samuel, God letting Samuel know that, that he wasn't his own man. Now maybe that should have been apparent to Samuel since he was living in the house of the Lord, serving the priest of the Lord. And yet did you notice in the Old Testament reading when it said that, that Samuel did not yet know the Lord? Well, he got to know him pretty quick. Today's epistle lesson shows us kind of another dimension on that. Really, it's the complete opposite because some of the people in Corinth had been complaining about making changes in their lifestyle after converting to Christianity. Paul quotes some of those objections. They were in quotation marks in, in the reading. Apparently, people had been saying something like, all things are lawful for me. In other words, you're not the boss of me. And where's the emphasis there? It's on me. And if you're not your own is the heart of the Christian message, this focus on me is the heart of of our culture's message. And that's what's behind the issues that we confront today. Well, I make my own decisions. I decide my own truth. Nobody's going to tell me what to do or not to do. And even for Christians, this is far from settled in our lives. At least it is for me. Maybe, maybe you're different, but I... I, I kind of think probably not. I think we're more likely to follow the example of the Corinthian Christians than of Samuel. Unacceptable. We cannot accept that. What we can accept, what we must accept, is the truthfulness of the statement, you are not your own. That's the first step in dealing with it, to accept it first. And then... And this isn't just a step, this is a giant leap. Then, to embrace it. We can do that when we realize that, like in a marriage, what we have to gain is so much more than the little bit that we give up. You are not your own. Embrace that statement for what it is. Wonderful news. Exhilarating. Liberating. Because there's more to it. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. 
And we know what that price was. It wasn't gold or silver. It was something far more valuable. The holy precious blood of Jesus. And his innocent suffering and death. It doesn't get any better than this. You are so valuable to God that he was willing to pay that price for you. Just so he could own you as beaten up and broken down as you were. And here's why he wanted to own you even in that condition. Here's why he continues to want to own you. It's so he can help you and protect you and guide you and save you from yourself, from Satan, from the corrupting influence of our culture. He wants to own you not because he needs you, but because you need him. Not because there's something he wants you to do for him, but because there's so much he wants to do for you and through you. He can use you to impact the people around you and therefore to impact our world. That's what he does. That's the way he works. We see that in the life of Samuel. When he embraced God's call and recognized that that he really was not his own man, that that he was God's, he did some some pretty incredible things. You can read about those in 1 Samuel. I'll just mention two. One was he anointed the very first king of Israel. The second is he anointed the second king of Israel, King David. God used one man working in the lives of many people to impact even more people. That's how he changes culture. That's how we can change our culture if only we'll embrace his call to do so. Paul puts it in pretty simple terms. After he says, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, he adds, so glorify God in your body. See, ours is not the first culture to have it completely backwards when it comes to sexual issues. Paul's words came in the context of a discussion about sexual immorality, and he hit that head on. Apparently, I guess to paraphrase what uh, the Corinthians were saying was something along the lines of, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. And St. Paul says, no, you're not your own, so glorify God in your body. It's that simple. And that difficult. Let everything you do, every decision you make, have as its goal to glorify God. Only someone who knows the absolute love of God in Jesus will be open to that would voluntarily sacrifice control that way, would trust him enough to willingly accept his invitation to follow him rather than to be suspicious that this is some kind of trick, he's, he's trying to manipulate me. No, this is not for God's benefit. It's for ours. Our culture doesn't get that. Our culture glorifies self. It applauds those who shamelessly proclaim that God's word will not be their guide. He's not the boss of them. 
If we're going to impact our culture, we have to show a better way. We have to accept the truth. No, better than that, we have to embrace the truth. You are not your own. You are his. Thanks be to God. Amen.